Today's episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott. Now, Joe is not only a fantastic guitar player, he draws on his years of experience as the ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and also at the McNally Smith Music College. Here's a few words from Joe about the course. If you're tired of wading through hundreds of random guitar videos and just want to become a better player, Fretboard Biology is your answer. Fretboard Biology is a self-paced, college-level program that will give you the right instruction, in the right amounts, and in the right order. You'll learn the same information I taught to thousands of other guitar players over 30 years of teaching in top music colleges. If you want to make real progress with your guitar playing, then sign up for a free 7-day trial at fretboardbiology.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name is Matt Wakeling and welcome to episode number 200. Now, it is almost six years to the day that I launched the show and uh, it is really nice to get to episode 200. What I think is even cooler is that my guest today is Joe Satriani. I was super stoked to talk to Satch. I've been a fan of his since surfing in the late 80s. Now, Joe has sold over 10 million albums as an instrumental rock guitarist, which is amazing. He's had multiple Grammy nominations. He's a guitar teacher to the stars, such as Steve Vai, Kirk Hammett, Alex Skolnick, and plenty of other household names in the world of guitar playing. He's the founder of the amazing G3 Concert Tours. He's got a few Ibanez signature guitars. In fact, today we speak about a new signature model that's on its way too, which is super cool. Of course, we're talking about Joe's 19th solo album, which has just launched this weekend, The Elephants of Mars. It's an amazing album. Also features an Australian, Ray Thistlethwaite, on the record. So we talk about the record, we talk about getting Ray involved, and uh, Joe's drive just to keep growing and developing as a musician and a composer. It was a great honour to have Joe on the show, so let's jump straight into that conversation. Wow, so great to meet you, Joe. Thanks so much for your time today. You're very welcome. What an exciting weekend for you. There's a lot going on the launch of The Elephants of Mars. That's got to be an exciting time. I know. I, I can't believe it right here. It's amazing. <laughs> that looks awesome. That looks great. Joe, I've been a fan for a long time. I saw your first tour here to Australia back in 1990. Um, I saw your last tour in 2018 and, and some other times in between, but... I guess my first question, this new album, it's obviously a very fresh chapter. I want to know how, after so many years of making instrumental music, how do you keep finding new avenues to explore as a guitar player and as a composer? Oh, well, it's, I, you know, to tell you the truth, there's so many avenues I want to explore musically. It's really hard to pick one, um, but it does help to you know to lean on my experience making albums to know that uh there is a discipline or several that you need to apply to to get something like a record done you know and and that means really deciding at the moment what is what is it that you really like what do you feel you really must explore uh, emotionally and that works for me because i know i play my best when i've got a real investment in the story behind every single song mm-hmm. And so I just thought, okay, I'm, that's what I'll do. This time, the record's going to be 
better compositions, better arrangements, better guitar sounds, better guitar playing. And I'm just going to write about everything. And I'm not going to let any style stop me from expressing myself. And uh, so, that, yeah, those were my marching orders, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. There's a great quote that you've shared. Um, and I'll just I'll read it out and I'd like you to reflect on it. You wrote, I want to show people that an instrumental guitar album can contain far more creative and entertaining elements than I think people are using right now. Mm. Can you explain what what that looks like for you and perhaps particularly on, on this record? Well, I think it was really directed at myself in that I wanted to create a higher standard for a Joe Satriani album. But I also noticed that instrumental records uh, are made now to go into lots of different contexts. And so, like, if I was 16 and trying to break on the scene, I'd be shredding every day for Instagram. You know, that's what you do yeah. to, get to, to get people to notice how good you are perfect but i'm not that guy you know uh <laughs> people around the world kind of know who i am i've sold millions of records of the same kind of stuff instrumental rock guitar um and so it was important for me to think in my world like i need to raise the standard here and it's not it can never be about demonstration because i'm already here people already know me it there's no demonstration or, or uh, explanation needed. What I need to do is deliver something really fantastic, much richer in musical experience than ever before. Because I should have accumulated after all these years, somebody who's been around for a while might think, I need to catch up. I need to uh, compete. But actually, uh, that that's that's a misnomer that that that's a that's not a good observation of what's really happening because your audience out there are the smartest group of people ever and they they see through every move that you're going to try to make so only you know be truthful and bring your story to the album your story to the guitar to the strings to the fretboard and in that way at least they know they can trust you you know with the story that you're telling them they already know you can play guitar, you yeah, know, <laughs> yeah. and they're going to decide whether they like it or not. And you can't change their minds about that. So um, once you get through all those funny, emotional, psychological hurdles, you realize you have a lot of work ahead of you. But at least it, it's a straight line. You know what your what your goal is and how to attain it. Is there a particular song on the album? I guess all of them, all 14, Um will express what you've just told us now, but is there a particular song or part on the album that you could frame in those terms? So that went through some of these metamorphoses or the process for you to deliver, as you say, rather than demonstrate. Well, I would say that the, the album as a whole, because I, that was one of the things I really wanted to do was to, to leave my friends on social media where they are to not invade what they're doing, uh, which is really short bursts yeah. of brilliance, you know? And uh, I also didn't want to uh, compete in the world of uh, pop music, which is really singles oriented. Uh, and, uh, and, and I thought, I don't, you know, I enjoy that it's there and those people do that great, but it's not me. What I want to do is I want to make an album. I've always loved making albums as a full statement. 
So to me, that the whole thing is my answer to your question. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, there, yeah. There were, I, I, you know, I know like that there was a 200 versions of each song at some point as I was making the record. Uh-huh. So my memory is based on the experience of hearing every different version before you got to hear the final version. So uh, I can, it, in, in a way, it excludes me from commenting properly on your question. But I can say when I step back in these last few days, when the, you know, the pieces started to arrive, <laughs> you know, actually <clears throat> in the world, for once, I, I realized, wow, this is, it is, it's a full statement. And that's really what my art form is. That's what I love doing is being able to put a bunch of songs together that although they may stylistically be different, I think my fans can hear that there's this central message uh, about wanting to reach them and tell them my story as a human being on the planet Earth. Awesome, awesome. There's, um, yeah, like I said, I love the album. There's lots of Joe moments. It's obviously Joe playing the guitar, but there's some, <laughs> there's some kind of new, new little directions, new new bits of ear candy I picked up. So I might mention a couple of tracks, Tension and Release, that's in seven. So you're no stranger to Odd Time. I think one of my favourite earlier tunes is uh, is Echo, but uh, Tension Release in seven, and there's some really quirky, low-tuned, almost seasick riffs. I love those. <laughs> What's going on there? It's so funny how that got started. So uh, I, I came into... Uh, uh, the room where a bunch of my guitars were, and I noticed that the seventh string was there, and I hadn't played it in years, in literally years. Uh-huh. And I was thinking, like, wow, I think the last person to play that was maybe Mike Keneally on some album we were doing. And I pulled it out, and sure enough, the strings <clears throat> were so old, they were kind of wobbly. And I thought, oh, this is really fun, you know? It's, I know they're all trash, but it sounds so funny. And they were maybe a lighter gauge than what I've been playing for the last, you know, I don't know, eight years or so. And um, so I plugged it in and I got the my recording thing all set up. And I just wrote this riff based on the way that it felt. And I didn't really think about it until I was done with the, you know, the basic uh, layout of the song. And I thought, well, that's really weird because I wrote it in seven and in four, four, you know, I've got these parts. Of, yep. It's the same part, but in two different time signatures. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I thought, well, I should double track that. So I went and I learned it. I double tracked it with the same old string guitar. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, this is great. And then I sent it off to, uh, to Eric, my producer. And I said, yes, it's on purpose. <laughs> the, the wobbly thing it's on purpose and he he loved it and so we you know we went from there basically um but yeah it it started so innocently with me just reacting to that feeling awesome eric uh you're referring to eric cordeau who's uh you've worked with for a lot of years yeah. i don't know i don't know if engine engines of creations was the first time you worked with eric uh as, you know as a a, a co-producer engineer and co-writer, yes. Okay. Uh, we actually met um, when we were putting together the D- the first DVD for the, the very first G3 set of concerts. And Eric was hired by producer Mike Fraser to uh, somehow make sense of all the different live performances from three different bands mm-hmm. and, and coordinate with everybody, you know, 
what songs we were going to mix and how they were going to get mixed and all that kind of stuff. So that's where we met. And, and we knew uh, pretty quickly that we, you know, were on the same wavelength. He's a fantastic uh, left-handed guitar players into fusion and stuff like Trevor Horn and, uh, and, and you know, Metallica. And he just, you know, he was one of those editors that was um, always in demand because he was so musical and technically so adept, you know, so yeah, we did Engines of Creation in his living room. <laughs> okay, okay. In 99. A few of the tunes on this record, I thought were a nice sort of bookend to that that record too. The you know a lot of electronic elements, um, still with your voice yeah. very firmly planted in there. I think that's always fun to hear the the gear shifts. Your last couple of records have been um, perhaps a little more straight ahead rock and yes. roll, Joe, which. Yeah. Is a great version of Joe as well. So <laughs> thank um, you. <laughs> but this this record takes things out a, a little further. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, a comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott, ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and the McNally Smith College of Music. I was one of the beta testers for the course and can say as a music educator, I was really impressed by the logical sequence of learning. The course has also been endorsed by players such as Brett Garson and Greg Cock. For more details, check out the links in our show notes. When you say Eric's got a, like the fusion background, um, you've also got Ray Thistlethwaite, an Australian, so exciting to see an Aussie on your record. We know him here yeah. as a pop star in his band Thirsty yeah. Berg. Some of us know him as a killer jazz pianist, and now obviously he's working with you. And uh, how did that come yeah. about? I'm so lucky. You know, I was uh, finishing up the shape-shifting album, and I wanted to find a new keyboard player, and I was looking on a website. Uh, I think it was like guitar... Uh, keyboard magazine or something like that. And they, they had a, an article about up and coming uh, keyboard players. And so I'm reading this thing and they, I get to this guy. So they're showing <clears throat> this guy with really long hair and a beard and he's playing a 335 yeah, and yeah. playing keyboards. And, and I'm thinking, okay, that's really great. He's in a, you know, a rock and roll band. And then I keep scrolling down. And at the end of the article, they have a bunch of other related videos and one of them is a Lewis Cole video that I knew I'd been watching for the last few weeks. And I thought, well, that, what's, what's that guitar player got to do with the Lewis Cole? So I went and I watched it again. And I'm watching the video and I go, oh, my God, that keyboard player with the short hair, you know, stuck in the corner of the stairwell. Uh-huh. That's Ray, too. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought that's that's too good to be true, you know. So uh, I did some research. I found that his manager was in Los Angeles. So I okay. gave him a shout and I said, I got to play with your client. Please like ask him if he's would be into playing with a crazy old American guitar player, you know? And so we started there and then I started sending him uh, stuff uh, and he would just like send back solos and textures and different ideas. And, you know, the whole record was done remotely. So um that's how we had to work but it was yeah, fascinating yeah. just fascinating to to watch him add his brilliance to the to these songs that's so good you've um your bands over the years you've had some incredible musicians from the original you know the jonathan mover Stu ham trio days um i could go on all day but i guess the the question is though what do you look for in a in a musician for a recording or touring or, or both 
Well, I'm, you know, I'm looking for someone who is obviously, you know, musically competent in their given style. Uh, they don't have to be virtuosos in all styles. They just have to have something that they're really great at, that they're, that they're passionate about and they're good at. And, uh, and, and that I think would fit within the unit because the unit, you know, in, in my mind really works when sometimes when you have a, a guy who's good at one thing and you pair him with a guy who's good at something else. And the, the in-between is really where the magic happens, like between a rocker and a jazzer, you know, and something happens between the two yeah. as they try to meet. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so that's, that's always worked in the past, you know, um, and, and sometimes when, uh, because I write and record and then I put the band together, it seems to work better that way because we're live, we're dealing with an entire catalog of music that really does span a lot of different styles. So um, in this particular case, my band, Kenny Aronoff on drums, Brian Beller on bass and Ray on keyboards, you couldn't find more different people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you add me into the mix and it's just, you know, we're all so different. And yet we, when we get together and play, I know already from the recordings that there's magic. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to finally doing it live on stage. That's awesome. That's awesome. Joe, um, our time's almost done. So I'm just going to squeeze a final question, but thank you so much. Um, you've been releasing some very short videos describing some of the songs and some of the back back-end work, yeah. I guess, of the new album. You're holding a, an interesting guitar. It's it's not the signature JS, but it it's almost got some of the oh. old 540 vibes. Is that is that? Yeah, I don't have it. Uh, it's, it's not here in the room at the moment, but I'm working with uh, Ibanez um, on a guitar that is a 22-fret yeah. uh, guitar that looks like a JS-1. It is basically a JS-1, uh-huh. but it has two single coils, two satch tracks, yeah. and a saturate in the bridge position. It's got a very unique uh, three mini switch system that gives you just more flexibility with the tones. Uh, and it's got this unbelievable gold chrome finish. It uh-huh. is so beautiful that, I, I mean, you wouldn't be able to really tell the, the color correctly over, you know, sure. Zoom. Yeah. Uh, and, and I believe that we are on track to release it in June. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that's the and but what I'm holding in those videos was the original prototype. Nice. If you can believe it from 1989. I used that guitar in the Big Bad Moon video. No way. That's the best. Which is a video from the Flying in a Blue Dream album. Yeah, yeah. Uh that's how old it is. And that that guitar got ruined by that video shoot, but <laughs> um <laughs> it doesn't look too good up close, but it the idea of it was something I never let go of and they the guys at Hoshino finally figured out how to do a gold-tinted chrome finish. And uh, so that's what's coming out this year. That's awesome. Joe, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for the years of inspiration and the great music. And uh, all the best for uh, the Elephants of Mars and hope to see you back here in Australia soon. Thank you very much. All right, there you go. Joe Satriani on episode 200 of the Guitar Speak podcast. Good, good times. I feel like I could have talked to Satch all day. Um, That said, I'm super grateful for the 20-minute window uh, that was arranged uh, amongst a whole bunch of other press that Joe was doing on the weekend launch of that album. 
My thanks to Fretboard Biology, who've been sponsoring the show since late 2020. Really appreciate Joe and the team there. And a huge thank you to everyone who's tuned in somewhere along the way of these last six years. There's lots of great stuff to come as well. Andy Timmons, Dave Leslie, Rob Balducci, all those interviews coming up. Spoke to Guthrie Govan and David Aegis over the last couple of weeks as well, plus another 190-odd other episodes you can check out. All right, I'm out of here. My name's Matt Wakeling. You've been listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. And in the words of Michael Schenker... Keep rocking, keep on rocking. Keep on rocking, indeed. I'll catch you next time. Bye now.